Dobson and him, Tim Patton. Today we discuss, is collapse inevitable? Tim. I, I could call this, is decline inevitable? And decline is a weaker word, but collapse is probably the stronger word of the continuation of, of decline. So what is de- decline? Well, if I'm walking along with 20 apples, I drop two, give one to you, and now I have 17 apples. My number of apples has declined from 20 apples. If numbers exists and numbers are a fairly intuitive concept, you can say you went from 20 apples, it declined to 17. If it goes to zero apples, let's say I give them all away or they all get eaten or they all get uh, then it's zero, then it's col- my, my apple supply has collapsed. So that's a simple example here of, of that sort of commonsensical idea, zero apples. And speaking, and the fringes, I'm, but I'm, again, I use these terms in the technical meaning, not necessarily as a pejorative term, which is the general use. Is, but speaking of the fringes, the fringes, like the far right and far left, they're both believers in collapse, whether it's cultural decline, um, uh, demographic decline, or environmental decline, economic decline. And again, the continuation of the endpoint of decline is collapse to the endpoint. So you can try to ask, what is it? You know, uh, like, and when did it start? And this is sort of one of my skepticisms of of the FAR team, so to speak, because you sort of have to define to me, and we sort of did this, we did had Frick's story and write nominations on for two older episodes on has music declined? And, you know, and Rick's story as well on the family. And so to me, to say that the family has declined, you have to say it was strong in the past and it's weaker now. So you should have to posit when it was strong and what made it strong and so forth, and then argue it has gone, quote unquote, from, from 20 to 10 or or some metric or at least at least have some scale. Now, of course, decline isn't only on the right. It's on the left, too. And actually, the, the you know, I see, well, you in the United States, we're paying a lot for gasoline and oil and those type things. But in Britain and continental Europe, the, the, what's, the opposite happened is the price of gasoline has gone up. And the reason that it has is mainly arguably due to um, the environmental regulations and so forth, and which just comes from the religion of, of climate change or ecological disasters, in which has made fuel. No one wants to drill for oil or coal, which is just all around. They don't use it. Um, and that, and the reason they're not using it is sort of they, they view it as causing, you know, decline or collapse or, you know, environmental collapse. Everyone will be underwater. You know, the temperature of the planet will be a million degrees or whatever. Um, so, so the left has a huge investment in the sort of apocalypse collapse narrative in that. They also had an older one, too, of the population bomb, uh, which... Funny enough is why China did the one-child policy, supposedly. Actually, we have the opposite problem. We have a population bust, arguably. So that's another quote-unquote left-wing thing, um, that, so to speak. Uh, uh, and and, and they generally complain about the environmental collapse. Now, this is also the right. You get people like Roger Scruton complaining about environmental collapse. But I'd argue that my 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 thing is thinking that compared to like the industrial revolution, the environment has improved. People are in the process of cutting down all the trees. I think Northern England was totally, Scotland was totally deforested or something like that. Same way with the United States, like whole parts of Virginia Peninsula, which is the oldest part of Virginia, were entirely cut up trees as early as like 1700 um, um, to, uh, for timber, you know, to, just to heat your home and so forth. So so when people say that environmental, the environment has collapsed, it's always compared to what? And, and the air wasn't that clean living in, in, in these uh, 
small settlements with. So there's a good question of when it collapsed. And of course, you have cultural decline. This is, again, typically associated with the right. But you also have people like Adorno and uh, Marcuse, who aren't a big fan of pop music, who aren't a big fan of Hollywood, um, uh, who think that uh, those things are more or less degenerate or, you know, bad consumer capitalist culture. Again, people on the right would say that as well, of course. And, and we did Mark Fisher, for example, who likes to make fun of like movies like Wally and other things. But, you know, you could argue that these movies and some of the other trashier films out there are just a sign of decline or collapse. And of course, collapse is the end. So, Swithin, what do you make of my uh, thesis? Like, why? I'll get into why I think, why I don't like it. Why, why? I'm not a full-on dec decliner here. I'll, I'll, let me include one more thing, economic decline. One more thing before I... Um, for example, Peter Schiff is famous for economic decline. You know, that the idea that um, um, things are getting worse, there's always a bank, there's always going to be a financial crisis around the corner. Um, and this is where David Friedman critique of Friedman and... Uh, David Friedman, you know, anarcho-capitalist, the uh, son of Milton Friedman. Um, this is his critique of Bob Murphy and uh, Murray Rothbard and others. You have to have a time preference. You have to have a time statement of when your collapse or decline predi prediction is. Like if you just say the banks are going to collapse, eventually that will be true. Um, and even and this, also another weird thing I noticed is Jeffrey Tucker, for example, speaking of golden ages, Jeffrey Tucker, who as much as I like in his critiques of you know the 2020 periods, uh, was is now funnily enough saying that 2019 was a great economy. If you look at what Jeffrey Tucker was writing in 2019, he was not thinking it was a great economy. Uh, he was actually thinking it was like, you know, under the control of some, you know, fascist Trump or under trade restrictions or things like that. That's what Jeffrey Tucker was actually, the mood of Jeffrey Tucker. Again, I, I like Tucker very much in the 2020-21 now period. He's been excellent. But there's an interesting wrinkle there where 2019 is some golden age. Now, it might be a golden age. Arguably, it is. So what do you make generally of the decline, you know, the, there's a book about decline, the history of decline. You have Matt Ridley's Rational Optimist, which are, let's say is an antithesis to that. Um, what do you make of decline? Why do people, so many people want to believe it? Do they want to believe it? And then we'll get into the other questions, like is it empirically true? Swithin? Well, I was going to say that um, whether decline is necessarily going to happen uh, really comes, uh, really is determining whether you have sort of like a psychical view of history and of time or you have a more broadly linear one because clearly if you i mean so for instance um is it Os no julius Evera, um who I, th I think he argued that civilization had been uh, in decline since the greek period but um the, the idea that you have these natural historical cycles of of rise and fall and and um well, then clearly fall then obviously if you take that kind of view uh you're necessarily going to have declinist aspects to your um to your view now the, the examples that you gave when it comes to to it um the uh, the, the economic the, the peter Schiff types or even the left um the left economic collapse narrative like Caleb Mopin or the classic sort of uh, Marxists. I mean, pretty much everybody there is going to not hold, uh, to a large extent, a psychical view of history. The only ones who really hold to a more sort of genuine declinist view of like, of necessity 
is those who you could probably say are on the right. I mean, because the left generally is like, well, no, we just make stuff better. And, you know, we have problems in society, but they can be solved. And we, we can always, you know, go forward and progress. Um, whereas, um, whereas on the right, I mean, you can have generally more of a declinist attitude. Uh, now, that said, they would probably all still hold out for like a rebirth um, of something. So I think that's a more general uh, perspective. Uh, the question is, uh, well, why? Well, I think it's obvious as to why sort of the more radical groups think that the current uh, economic and social arrangements is in decline is because they think they're bad. And so therefore, for whatever reason, they will decline. So um, let's take the sort of libertarian Austrian view. Well, you know, you've got phony money being pumped in, misallocation of resources. It's going to collapse. Uh Left economic collapse, you know, you get increased um, wealth concentration uh, in the current society. Uh, the capitalist class is increasing its income while exploiting the surplus value of the workers. The workers won't be able to uh, have a high enough income to buy all the stuff that's produced, and so you'll have uh, underconsumption and collapse. Um, the right environmental collapse position is interesting. Um, in a sense, it's more of an aesthetic critique than a genuine environmental one. Except insofar as they might say, well, you know, small scale farming is actually better for the land. You know, more traditional types of farming technique are good. And maybe some of the technological developments haven't been ideal. Um, um, that's something actually the right, uh, more so than the left, apart from the primitivists, is the right seems to take a lower view of technological progress. Um, than the left does, apart from, the, the, say, the primitivists. Um, so there's an aesthetic critique with sort of like the environmental stuff. Um, obviously, um, the left uh, environmental collapse is obvious, although actually that's pretty mainstream, although, um, I mean, that is the, the, the big sort of collapse narrative of society, which then justifies um, state intervention and banning of cheap, reliable energy, which uh, has now bitten them. Well, it hasn't really bitten them, which has become obvious that that wasn't a very good idea. Although to what extent people have realized that yet is another question. Um, although related to this, and this thing is interesting with the whole declinist narratives, um, is do humans have a tendency to just to do bad things? Are humans broken? I suppose in a way the the, the collapse and decline idea is associated to some extent with you could argue sort of original sin or uh, things similar to that, um, because if it's the case that humans are fundamentally kind of broken in a way, then you have some sort of pessimistic declinist view. If you view humans like a tabula rasa to a large extent or to not intrinsically good in a way and you know, somehow uh, environmental conditions are such that, you know, it makes humans go bad, that, that this then gives you much less of a sort of declinist um view although interestingly with the environmental stuff it almost treats um human impact as such as the original sin of humanity and so well i mean i mean that's really how they they go about it and really the consistent position is the primitivist position uh, although i suppose you could argue the most consistent position is suicide uh, but we've done an episode on that as well um uh, the right cultural collapse position is obvious 
uh, I mean, really the right cultural um, collapse positions existed since industrialization. Uh, no one's in the agrarian societies anymore. Social hierarchies don't exist in the same way. Family is broken up. Uh, people are hypermobile. Even from like your parents, your grandparents and things might live in completely different places. Um, and then, of course, the, the left critique, I mean, since, again, the industrial period, I mean, it actually, the right cultural class and left cultural collapse is actually kind of, they're actually quite similar in certain respects, um, because um, the left coast focuses more, I say, like um, Adorno, etc., on commercialization and stuff, which is interesting as well, the, the sort of less sort of capitalist uh, cultural rightists will complain about as well, and commercialization of things like... Uh, well, you always get the concerns, oh, no, Christi um, Christmas is becoming materialistic and, you know, materialism is bad. So um, I think it's pretty obvious why the more radical groups think that it is in decline, because from their view, they clearly are. Um, of all of those, the ones that has the most sort of mainstream hold is sort of um, the environmental collapse position of the left, really. Although they think that by, uh, well, doing lots of more mining than has ever been done in history, they can somehow avoid it. Um, well, that, that, that's, that's at least the, 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 uh, the current popular uh, position with that. So uh, I think that's why they hold the positions that they do. Any comments or questions on that, Tim? Does that make sense? That's pretty good. I, I'm going to add another point here. There's a book I read a long, maybe like six, seven years ago, called Tyler Cowen's book Great Stagnation. And I still remember when um, I like for all his certain amount of militose ideas, Tyler Cowen, I think, writes a, writes fairly well. And the book Great Stagnation, the basic theory is that since writing the 1950s or 60s, the growth of innovation has slowed down. Um, the rate of innovation that he argues that like before then. You know, the 70s through 1870s through 1914, or you up to 1944, was a more innovative time period in human history. And actually, if you think about it, it's not that hard to, you know, look at the airplanes went from Wright Brothers to like, uh, you know, you had already had jet, you had flying. I think the German, the Germans and American corporate corporations were experimenting with jet-powered flying wings basically as early as 1940. So like in 36 years, you did that um 30 some 35 years so so the, the empirical evidence seems to be you know it, it at least exists there um and then peter Thiel has this quote about how we get one from one flying cars we got twitter instead um um so now now it, oddly enough tyler cowan got a lot of criticism from like libertarians and randians now this was this was bizarre for cowan because he said you know all the bad policies and this is what he's seen in rush roberts interview like all the bad policies which many libertarians claim complain about have been done. And this goes back to the golden age problem I have with the Kleinists. Like in, starting in the 50s and 60s, you had 90% top tax rates. You had lots of like all sorts of trade restrictions and what you could do. So like when you say that government has grown in a sense, government was quite big already in 1930, 1960 here in a sense. Um, so, so, you know, when Yaron books is another person who criticized this book, he said that, saying that the innovation is like a lot of bad policies, minimum wage, if you think minimum wage is a bad policy, you think, you know, and again, things like patent law and those things were not nearly as developed. 
you know, there was no Disney carve out for 80 consecutive years, which there is now uh, 80 consecutive years and counting and so forth. So a lot of those things were either unenforceable or not as easy to enforce. So so in that sense, you could argue the economy was better. So I, I, I'm willing to buy on empirical level the evidence, so to speak, that things were better, so to speak. But the problem is you got to go back and sort of you got to sort of count up, you know, what was the case and what wasn't the case. And interestingly enough, a lot of like this is where things get really interesting to me, especially on the economic front. And and Marx and, and funnily enough, David Bentley Hart agrees with me here. So David Bentley Hart is no friend of capitalism. And he points out that the Marxist view of society is actually a sort of a hyper consumeristic one, um, which I sometimes roll my eyes at when like like deep paleocons start uh, breaking, start like sympathizing with sort of the far left people because the goal of them sort of a hyper-industrialization of society in a sense, which is really strange here. Now that sounds, in a sense, on a first glance, that sounds convoluted there, but I think it's entirely the case here that that, that what, what they want, what the Marxists want, in a sense, is what certain ANCAPs and libertarians want too. It's sort of a hyper-industrialization society. And I, and I don't think that's a, a bad thing. I actually think that the industrialized societies are an improvement over the environment, so to speak. And like that that's one of the reasons why I'm against government regulation, ugly enough, is that I think we should try to improve things on like, an economic level. So so the Great Stagnation as a book has been a big influence on me. So like I can buy into declinist narratives here. I, can, I that, that doesn't bother me to, to but, but the question is, you know, do you do you know what, what do you make of that? What do you make of the economic decline narratives with him with respect to that? Because yeah, the one problem is you know, were the 50s and 30s and the 1870s more economically, quote unquote, free and innovative? And if so, you know, Tyler Cowen would point out like the divorce rate was lower in those eras too. I mean, a lot of the paleocons would might like that point or things like that. So maybe that actually is the strength of it. What do you make of what do you make of the economic decline narrative? And do you agree with my point that the <coughs> Marxists are quite bad on the environment? Because like, look at the whales, look at their nuclear programs. They're like they hunted the whales to extension. So the idea that the Marxists are nice to the environment, I find that, you know, interesting to say the least. With him, what do you make of that book? Oh, the Marxists clearly are not environmentalists. I mean, they're modernists. They want uh, technological and industrial civilization, um, but they just think that uh, the best way of, of uh, producing it is by having the rational central plan rather than having the anarchy of production. Um, it's not a question of... Um, of uh, a goal to a large extent, it's a question of means. Now, that's not entirely true uh, because, um, for instance, the Randians would would want to have the great man and the the great capitalist industrialist individual, whereas no, you can't really have that in Marxist theory. But they are they are very similar. So I, I think it's the traditional economic Marxists are not any real form of environmentalist. Um, at all. I mean, they would be probably the ones who were um, cheering on uh, industrialization of farming, which took place in Great Britain after the Second World War. Uh, one of the major goals was food security. Um, uh, you may or may not know of the uh, the Battle of Britain is the battle in the Second World War, World, World War, which gets all the uh, sort of fame. Oh, really important thing about you know fighting the Germans. But actually, the most important battle was the Battle of the Atlantic because. If the Britain had lost that, we would have starved because we imported loads of food from America. Um, so lots of food security stuff. Anyway, so they went to this high level of industrialization. A lot of stuff the environmentalists 
and animal welfare people talk about complain about uh, farming practice was really um, something like food security and, and uh, just increasing output, which to a large extent the Marxists would have agreed with. I mean, obviously, it shouldn't be from the petty bourgeois farmers. You know, it should have been from the rational central plan. When it comes to the economic decline, um, I, it's kind of difficult. I mean, it, clearly, in one way, the economy is better now than it was in the 19th century, insofar as material standard of living is higher, it would seem. That said, you could make the case that it might not be in certain respects. I mean, you're really getting to a material standard of living argument, which is not straightforward to make uh, an argument for. I mean, you, you really have to posit things which are more important than other things. So, I mean, for instance, Sean Gabb would make the claim to, to some extent that the 1970s was actually better than today, at least insofar as you could fund, you could have a single earning household so the husband could earn enough to pay his rent and feed his kids and wife. Um, is that a better economy than today where that's less do It is doable. But it does seem to be less doable than it was. That doesn't seem to be true. Um, does that mean it's worse today? Well, uh, it's. Uh, I, I would tend to agree with Sean Gabb there to some extent, but I'd have to look at the numbers more closely. Um, now, you could say the economic decline, you could argue, is one of um, well, whether the current system is sort of sustainable in a way. Now, not necessarily in the now, the problem with sustainable is um, is that well, nothing is sustainable ultimately, in a sense, um, because well, nothing is sustainable because everything will decline eventually. Insofar as well, I, I suppose you could argue no. I mean, okay, let, let's put on big time. There's various estimates for heat death of the universe, which seems to be unavoidable if somehow unless there's somehow more heat generated from outside the universe, which would basically mean effectively divine intervention, which is, of course, in principle possible. Um, so when you get to the question of whether it's sustainable or not, sustainable relative to what? Now, um, if you take the view that government is inherently, uh, well, this is a big if, but this is what Guido Holzman does uh, in a 1998 paper uh, called Towards the General Theory of Error Cycles in which he argues that effectively all forms of government intervention will create uh, unsustainable economic patterns, uh, and of which the Austrian business cycle theory is just merely a subset, and one that's more obviously recurring. He was saying, well, you know, the welfare state will eventually necessarily collapse, and its existence um, will mean that... Um, your existence will mean that, you know, eventually when it does collapse, you have these misallocation of resources in a sense, it's not, um, that is, it's not sustainable, um, which I think is an interesting argument. I think I'm generally sympathetic to Holzman's position, um, but but just taking it on to the current sort of paradigm in a more sort of general sense of sustainable. I mean, I would probably take the position that I'd be I'd be surprised of how long the current economic arrangement could last. I mean, we could be getting a situation where it changes now because of significant and obvious levels of inflation. We have had clearly lots of inflation before, it's just not as obvious, uh, which could cause a reset of some description. So I 
I do think that the economic collapse narrative is true. And I think generally the right analysis is more correct than the left economic uh, collapse narrative. That said, the left uh, narrative is does isn't entirely wrong. It does highlight some interesting areas. It's just that it's um, it's myopic, I think is the way I would describe it. So th that'd be my view on, on the economic stuff. Just on the general thing on declinist uh, narratives, I, I have sympathy really with the uh, um, mostly with the, econ the economic and cultural decline arguments. The one I think I have least um, sympathy with is the environmental decline argument. Uh, I mean, it, we expect, well, you might think this is, and if this listens a lot, we'll probably guess this. Clearly, the left environmental collapse argument is, is ridiculous. Um, we have far more mastery over the environment today than we had 100 years ago. And so, the environment is far more livable for humans than it ever has been. You can see this clearly by the population increase. You can see this in climate-related deaths from storm and drought and floods and things. They've gone down by about 97% according to work of Alex Epstein. Um, why? Because we have so much more technological ability and a way to manipulate the external environment that, that the environment is much, much, much more livable than it was historically. Um, so I think those certainly the left environmental collapse I think is is wrong. I'm generally not that sympathetic to the right environmental collapse unless it goes into more aesthetic thing. Um, I think sort of technology with farming and stuff can make things better. I mean, for instance, I saw uh, a program in which they have like wearable tech on cows, and then you can figure out if they're ill or not. It's like oh, that's kind of useful. You can go and see and help them out. And that's kind of a good thing. But then they'll say, oh, well, no, because on a small scale farm, you know, they'd always know the cows by name. It's like, well, yeah, maybe. But then your productivity is like really low. Um, so um, I'm generally pro technology in that sense. Um, so um, economic decline. Yes, I can certainly see the argument for that, but not environmental decline. The economic decline argument, again, I I, I very much similar to you. You know, when you use the word sustainable, I, I if it if it wasn't if it if it wasn't you saying it, I would think I would cringe because usually the word sustainable means um the big CC uh argument here. And in that sense, like I mean Murray Rothbard a few I mean, pointed out the time preference problem here back in an interview in the sixties or seventies when he was talking about like, you know, if if you know take if you have a non renewable resource and it's gonna be exhausted in 10 years. Okay, that's a problem. Well, it's going to be exhausted in a thousand years. Well, I mean, this is like, you know, this is, that's not, that's not any, you know, I think about a thousand years from now. That's like a, you know, oftentimes the right gets accused of being too much into time preference arguments, the economic right. But this is like, well, you should just worry about that in a thousand years here. I mean, that's like, and effectively, we have tons of oil and coal. So, like, in a sense that they're not they're not unsustainable insofar as they don't exist. And actually, and we know this from history. Like, it, like some, every once in a while, some people bring up, oh, we're going to run out of this rare earth metal, and therefore we can't build all these things. And it usually turns out we can either find new sources or we can figure out how to make, mix other elements. The Germans figured out how to make oil out of coal under heavy sanctions and all. All sorts of, I mean, a little ingenuity could probably go a long way. 
um, if we actually do run out of it. So, like, in the sense that things aren't sustainable, like that, that, that is, that's sufficient. And actually, one of the things that irritates me is sort of the paleo anti-capitalist right at times buys into a lot of these sort of, these sort of empirically false arguments with, with, with respect to like running out of resources and things like that. I mean, we, we did almost run out of trees. That actually could have happened if it wasn't for finding coal. Arguably, that would have happened. And in that respect, Malthusianism might be true. Um, um, if, if, it, if because because you don't have exhaustive amounts of those, they take a lot, lot longer to replenish than coal. And you know, we have like we're full of coal and oil and things like that. Whether the atmosphere can absorb that is a good question, but it doesn't again produce plant plant yields. But I've said that before here, so I would move out of the 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 um, economic thing. But I don't think it's entirely disrelated to the economic thing and the cultural domain. Usually, I touched this, on this a little bit in the uh, in the in your first sort of monologue here after my monologue, cultural decline. Now, cultural decline is of course related to the economic mode of production here, because because a lot of like the um, of course Marcuse and Adorno, those types, they would say that because we have a capitalist mode of production that's motivated for profit, we're just going to produce goods that like all art has to be done for uh, wages or profit, or all art is just for like. You know, rich people to put their big capital as sort of a showy thing here into it. So in a sense, that's their critique. And the right, well, th this goes back into sort of deeper issues here. Insofar as you could just say the right is, is the, the, the mean by the religious right, and that the, all that a lot of modern art is degenerate and secular. That's one criticism you can make. And that's sort of the industrial evolution since the industrial revolution that you sort of that was the sort of cultural decline moment. And that like that destroyed the family, so to change the economic uh, means of production and sort of went to big alienating factories and so forth and things like that. Now again, Marx himself praises the breakdown of rural idiocracy famously. Um, so even that, and this is where I think David Bailey Hart was actually, who again, no friend of capitalists, was actually interesting enough points out that the Marxists aren't really worthy allies um, if you want to sort of destroy industrial evolution or don't like alienating things like that. So I, I don't think they're disrelated, but cultural decline. So I mean, what we did some evidence, like we did, we did we had an episode on just music. What do you, what do you think is the, 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 the claim that the cultural is declining? The culture is declining. Again, I don't think it's just on the, um, it's more common to hear this on the right. But you, you, you know, Mark Fisher, for example, again, big influence on Zizak and vice versa. And again, whether those are two lefties or not is a good question. But but in a normal usage of words, they're basically counting that. Um, and, and movies like I do agree that that like all Marvel movies made today suck. But I could point out the fact that like if you look at some of these 1950s movies that have under five stars, you get a lot of old movies on Amazon. If you have Amazon Prime, you get a lot of old that are out there free or YouTube or just absolute just like free streams out there. Um, a lot of them are just quite boring. And, you know, you could argue that a lot of these movies that, you know, the paleocons will point to as being bad, you could find them in previous eras. And even things like, now again, it's, it's a slightly different thing, but Thaddeus Russell will point out like the, the precursor to pornography is like these um, thrillers, uh, these sort of trashy novels in the 1870s and 80s about uh, these. Now again, they weren't nearly as lewd as that, but they still exist. They still exist. They still, and like even the 20s, you start getting this kind of stuff much more mainstream, so to speak. 
Um, so so it seems like you can always find you can always find things. Now you can argue, well, it's not as widespread. So again, I can I can I can I'll, I'm willing to go along with the paleo, the paleo sort of critique of the culture. Um, but but do you think it's empirically true, Swithin? What what what's your take on the cultural decline narrative? I think there's points in favor and points in disfavor, but overall, on the balance of it, what, which which way would you push as the outcome, Swithin? I think it depends in what domain you're, you're looking at. Um, so if you look at the arts in general, I think it's pretty much true that good art is relatively rare. Um, you know, things are particularly good or innovative. You know, they don't come across along very often. And it's quite easy to look at historical things. Oh, look at all these great things in the past. And look at this trash now. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've got to compare apples and apples. I mean, so, for instance, let's say you want to know best film and television uh, because I'm uncultured. Um, I was recently embarked on a rewatching of all the films I'd seen in the past that I thought were reasonably good. Because ever since I've been married in, and I've did it before, but from basically 2010, I've rated every single film and television show I've ever seen. So I have a decent record of that. And I rewatched them in chronological order. And um, I mean, some of the older stuff I just don't think is that great. Um, and if, of the best films I have, I think most of them, if I have a look, I believe, yes is actually from the 2000s actually um some from the 70s uh some from the 60s but no earlier than that um now why that is the case i mean that could be tastes have changed to some extent maybe people i mean uh, i mean it's difficult to tell i mean the, the films uh, of the old generation generally are a little slower uh, or quite a lot although not necessarily some of them are pretty well and uh slickly edited although I mean, you could argue, though, with film, I mean, you were taking quite a long time to get used to what the medium was like. I mean, there's lots of development film. I mean, it's almost sort of uh, quite theatrical um, early on, like the 30s and stuff. Uh, a good example of this is, oh, actually, 1927, uh, Fritz Lang's Metropolis, which is interestingly a Marxist film um, about the the horrors of industrialization and actually how you need this cooperation between sectors of society to sort of get, bring this new great future for humanity as a whole. Um so I don't think necessarily the client's attitude exists in um, in film. When it comes to music, the popular music, I mean, the chart music is worse. I think that's pretty true from the mid-2000s. Again, I've done quite a lot of quizzes in the past, and so I've got a decent knowledge of UK number ones. And they clearly get a lot worse after 2005. But you then have a whole plethora of music that, you can now get more easily that you otherwise couldn't because it's much easier because you get it online, whereas previously you had to go to an obscure record shop and buy it. Um, and so in that sense, it's not immediately obvious that that's declined. Although you could argue the mainstream stuff has. Um, so uh, there's ups and downs with that. With books, again, I, I don't know novels hugely well, but uh, I'd be surprised if there weren't any good novels being produced considering the volume that have been produced. Um, I think one area which is pretty clear to got worse is architecture. Architecture does seem to be worse in general. I mean, you just get these big glass boxes going up. Modern new built houses in England are pretty poor looking. Some of them are terrible more recently. That's how they existed in the 60s and 70s. And there was poor housing 
earlier. Although aesthetically, if it was maintained quite, it actually looked better than the houses of the 30s and the 20s and the terraced houses of the 19th century uh, actually do look better to a large extent and to some extent are better built than contemporary houses. So I think the declines narrative from the right in the case of architecture is probably the most true of any of the others and less so. Oh, oh and I think orchestral music as well. Uh, clearly, you've got the influence of um, atonal stuff, serialism, and this is this is always a, and like the avant-garde stuff in the 50s. Uh, and you don't tend to get any particularly interesting, like officially sort of classical sort of orchestral com- compositions. But the thing is that the decent composers have moved to make film music or um, or computer game music, actually. Although, is it as complex and as rich as it were? Sympathy is no, probably not. But it's not bad. Um, so I, I think it's sort of like the aesthetic decline is not there. Um, I suppose you could argue for clothing uh, to some extent. I mean, oh, well, that's interesting. You, you could make the case that um, the right wood that you, you've got a less formal or less, um, not less formal, it, it is less formal, but it, it, we now have uh, a less good standard of dress in general. Jeffrey Tucker actually makes this argument. Um, he, he He's always very well dressed. So I think on that angle, you, you could possibly go in that way. Uh, I mean, it seems to still be the case that if you're really rich, you can show that you're rich by looking like a tramp. Jack Dorsey being the best example of that. So that's I, I probably missed something. But I, I think the cultural decline that the right really focuses on is is not the arts in general. It's just general human interaction and basically the family. And basically, to what extent do you feel like you belong in an area and you have good relations with people around you and the relation to this is sort of perception of the level of crime. Um, I think that is where the right cultural decline is most correct, um, rather than, although they might go on the aesthetics, although I, I, I do think, as I say, architecture and clothing are probably the most um the best examples of it actually which they probably don't often use um uh, um but it, it it's really the more general social interaction to crime belonging i mean so for instance uh, prior to 2020 i think like a quarter or a third of the con- of like the us or some western europe were diagnosed with some sort of mental illness or mental things of like a generalized anxiety you know they they didn't have they were anxious about stuff they didn't know really why um this seems to be a result to some extent of industrialization now of course does it have to be this way is another question um but it just doesn't seem to happen in uh pre-industrial societies possibly because you don't have the same rootedness and and social interaction that you have by necessity in a place where you have to rely on people in your surrounding area and you meet them on a day-to-day basis. Whereas essentially today I could just exist in my room and have everything brought to me and I wouldn't need to see anybody. Uh, so I think that angle, and to be fair, I think the left would agree with that to some extent as well. Um, but that would be my my sort of general sort of um, post-mortem as it were on the um, right cultural decline narrative. 
one problem I have with the left's cultural decline narrative, and it, I, I met like six months ago, I finally found someone who who uh, agrees with who I think has the correct insights. It's Chris Cutrone, who was interviewed by Douglas Lane. And one of the things he points out is like, and I, I think this is entirely correct, this sort of relates to our Mark Fisher and uh, Nick Land episode on is liberalism capable. Um, this doesn't necessarily apply to the Marxist left, but it definitely applies to the progressive left. For the progressives today to say that we, things have declined is a very hard thing to do, considering the fact that they more or less won all the political fights in the last hundred years. Um, you know, women's voting, um, expansion of rights to minorities, more immigration, workers' protections, uh, you, well, unionization. But then again, then deunionization arguably is as much of their thing as too, um, um, because like unions had a lot of dodgy uh, uh, cultural views that w would have posed problems to the current uh, cultural left here. And Paul Godfrey would agree with that as well, um, that like unions, you know, and again, like the, some of the historical old lefties are actually arguably xenophobic by modern um, progressive standards. So the, the, there is a sense in which there is a sense which the history of like the progressives have won, you know, progressive ideas writ large. And again, libertarians at times can be subsumed under this heading at times. And again, the more like Reason Magazine, Nick Gillespie ones definitely wouldn't have a problem of saying these things are are good if not or, or or neutral at minimum they wouldn't say they're they wouldn't say like gay marriage is bad or they would just say it's neutral or if not right free choice or something like that so so one of the problems i have with them saying things have declined it's like well you've had all your way for the past hundred years and you're saying things have gone downhill how like what exactly is that statement even mean i mean like <laughs> you know you, the, the only thing that could mean is actually that all their programs that the previous namesayers that said um are actually problematic to say the least if not outright bad now again the paleo that's that's the good reactionary criti critique of the progressivism in general is to say that is is to say exactly that like all the things that were viewed as victories were actually um not vic or many of the things that viewed as victories weren't weren't real victories but but uh the marxist left has a little different relationship in the sense that outside of the soviet union and cuba and North Korea and may and China somewhat, they didn't really they didn't really have formal political power um, um, in the same way. But the, for the progressives to say that, that's a really odd thing to say, considering that, you know, unless they want to say unless they want to say that all those movements were actually failures, that that um that, that you know feminism failed, um that vo voting rights expansions failed, and then this is where things get bizarre here. Uh, and I, I would say we just have an analysis term problem here where where if we can't define things, say things declined or say things are getting worse, it's a really dodgy thing here. Um, and, and again, sometimes name naming phenomena problem is a problem we always resort to here. Um, but I but I think I think it's worthwhile, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this, because, you know, it begs the question of what is decline anyway. I, I started with the apples example. That's a very canned example. Um, which makes sense. We'll start with 20 apples, go down to zero apples. But when you say something like the position of workers has declined or the position of women has declined, if you have to have a starting point, you have to have an ending point. We did a thing on Dieter Mikulski and uh, why don't Marxists, why do, why, if, if, if capitalist employers are exploitative, why do they want to get hired? I think was a rough episode idea. And then sort of gets into that, the weeds of that 
single question here. Deidre McCloskey, of course, would say it's a good thing. But then if you survey women and they're alienated or unhappy, now you could argue that older women, that women of the 200 years ago just weren't surveyed. And it's a measurement problem. But it is a, it is a suspicious thing where um, when, when the left says there's been decline, it's it, it's it sort of betrays it, it really begs the question of like what exactly was the history of the past hundred years i don't I don't know how you can argue that that it was some big win um of right wing victories i mean you, I, I i find that I find that odd to say the least um 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 Swithin, do you have any comments on my things like you think it's a measurement and naming problem? Um, for these for these people, and again, you could always accuse me of being a genetic fallacy, which is I'm just picking out people who say things are going downhill, but they they're they're saying we're going downhill for different reasons. But but in a sense, they they oftentimes have a similar views of things, and that's one of the things I always comment that the fringes end up having similar views on things. It's like the horseshoe theory is that is that comes up with there that as well um so with any any comments on this like what, what what would you make of it do you think the last hundred years has been a a string of victories here i mean what do you make of the progressives saying there's been decline here that to me is very odd i i i've never been able to scratch my head around that unless unless you want to argue that it's been a you know fake progressive left has been in charge or something like that but even then that 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 that's that's an obvious dodge which can't be easily squared out so I think the only real claim, and this is what they do um, with the sort of uh, progressive left decline narrative, is what they will do is they'll say, oh, the reason women and girls uh, self-report lower happiness than they had in the past is because we simply haven't gone far enough. So it's kind of like, well, if we implement our progressive policies, yeah, 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 yeah. Even though it's progressive, it'll actually get worse until we implement all of them, at which point utopia will exist and everyone will just be astonishingly happy. And so it will be the position that, well, we need everything to change uh, and then it will work. But, it, but as we progress to it, it might make things worse. Now, this might sound a very sort of ridiculous position, although it isn't entirely as ridiculous as it sounds. So, for instance, Let's take uh, the broad sort of economic right critique. And if you were to say that, ah, well, what we should do is uh, regulations are, are bad. Let's re- get rid of regulations on banking. Uh, well, that would probably make things worse if, if the central bank still exists. So you're sort of getting towards where you want to go, but actually you're actually going to make things worse because the money, money creation ability is going to be greater. Now, of course, you could you could argue, well, you know, well, if you're going to deregulate, you might get more crypto and more non-government based currencies out competing, which, of course, is possible. I, but there are certainly certain regulations you could get rid of. Uh, I mean, they did it recently in America. They got rid of the reserve ratio, which was how much you had to keep in um, bank reserves relative to um uh, sort of on-demand uh, liabilities like uh, d- uh, demand deposits, uh, current accounts, that kind of thing. So I don't think that's entirely uh, an unreasonable position. That said, though, if you were to have listened to progressives and say, 
oh well you know the emancipation movement would lead to this it's like well it hasn't um now that's a, you could say the right would be similar although then if you're um radical enough you probably would have made that case yeah I, I can't imagine rothbard saying it was a good idea to get rid of uh legally enforceable um reserve requirements at least uh on its own for instance so i think that's that's the way they would try to attack that um one of the, one of the problems i have and this goes back to the terming and naming problem is is if you take the quote-unquote like right now it gets quickly we get quickly in the weeds it's like is Woodrow Wilson right wing well not really by modern standards he's not well in by modern standards he is by his by at the time standards he's not you know is Lincoln right okay but then if you if you answer those questions you say okay we'll just use some reasonable standard well it's hard to believe that the right won anything in the past hundred years except maybe defeating the Soviet Union but keep in mind the anarcho syndicalists um also wanting to defeat the soviet union the classical liberal and progressive liberals wanting to defeat the soviet union the hayekians um so like if you think about what they actually won so for them to say there's a decline narrative people like them have been in power for a considerable amount of time now it does think what about thatcher and reagan okay well now we have, we have more issue of here it's like maybe that has happened but as as cut roan points out the destruction of labor unions is the predecessor to the cultural left because if you if you don't destroy the labor unions the left and actually having the soviet union around is a sort of sense a uh a wolf of feature and a bug there because you have a sort of a bugaboo but it also it also it also gives i mean there was some amount of of so to speak collusion between the soviet union and western labor parties and again i'm not saying this is a bad thing the cia also uh, colludes with uh, certain parties in Latin America and Southeast Asia. There's plenty of examples there. But there was some amount of support, especially early on, um, which is not, you know, this is the McCarthy thing here. Um, but it is the case that the destruction of labor unions um, had the effect of making the left a professional class left uh, versus a sort of more workers oriented one, which, okay, so maybe there's been, you bring back Sean Gabbs in the 1970s, maybe there's been a decline since the 70s here. And that, that to me is a reasonable hypothesis. And I, I, I think that, that that could occur because in a sense, the Soviet Union arguably peaked under Khrushchev or so to speak, and it's been in decline there. But again, but so, so part of my problem with when people talk about decline is just a mathematical problem where like you have a temperature graph it's like, well, the weather peaked at 1205. Okay, that was the hottest weather. It's a measurable thing. But when you start talking about civilizations, you might, okay, if you posit decline narrative, um, you have to sort of kind of date, and then you sort of say, well, between the it was a rise, this was probably the peak, and this is probably the downfall here. And maybe you could do that, like, you don't, maybe you can't measure it, but you can sort of assume that this is roughly makes sense. You have a rise involved the Roman Empire book type thing. But the decline now you sort of pick it, and then you have to go to sort of go to that age. You guys sort of have a deep immersion of the facts. You might not know all the facts either. So your point about Sean Gab about living standards, uh, I thought about that for years. And I mean, one response to Sean Gab might be that well, people want to, you know, like healthcare costs have gone up. Um, that's 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 the retort here. Like, for example, like end of life healthcare costs have gone up. So like you can live an extra five years and in order to pay for that, to live in a nursing home. Now, again, I'm a critical of that, but that's just sort of what happens. You know, like like that's one reason why I like to ask these sort of blunt questions on that. 
So then, do you have any comments on that? Yeah, I mean, with the decline with the, from the 70s and um, standard of living, I mean, you, you really have to first work through, OK, what things are the most important for standard of living? And then say, OK, these are them. And then go, OK, when was it easier or less easy to do that? Uh, if you have a position whereby it's basically as equal, but you have the other things that are better, then that's clearly an improvement. Um, and if you don't have it, if you have less of it, but you have more of other stuff, well, even this other stuff is nice, it's probably worse because you've not got the core stuff. Um, obviously, that'd be quite a difficult thing to do. You couldn't really measure it properly. Um, but I think some sort of analysis of that is is plausible. Um but I, it's, it's very difficult because you've got lots of things going different directions. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, um, the Kleinist narratives always seem to have a sort of golden age of some. Now, whether they would say it was um, a golden age, I mean, some might say, well, no, it's it's the least base metal age uh, rather than the golden age. But functionally, it, it acts in the same way. Um Although what I would say is some of the declinists will use a theoretical ideal and use this to say, well, we've declined or we're moving further away from an ideal position. You could argue this is what some of like uh, the ANCAPs do uh, with, well, is ANCAPistan is where it's at and any devia further deviation from ANCAPistan is decline, uh, even though that doesn't exist. So there's... A number of them, it depends which kind of whether they're sort of like historically laden of the golden age or whether sort of some theoretical position. Most of them would be historical. Um, well, the right certainly is, which is basically the high middle ages in most cases. Um, the left really is probably a theoretical one, except for the primitivists who go who praise hunter gatherers. Um, because otherwise, they're very much a progressive future orientated. Um, kind of kind of uh, view um so that that's i think how sort of uh golden ages and also theoretical ideals uh function with the if, if someone asked you on the street is britain declining what would you tell them i would say that britain in general okay my my my, my position generally is Britain's been in decline since the First World War, uh, but I have to caveat that because clearly the material standard lives in certain respects are higher. Um, with great confidence, I would say that Britain's been in decline since 2019. I think that's certainly true. Um, I think I suppose I would pick whenever smartphones became ubiquitous, after that it's been in decline because there's not really been any major technological advances and socially it's been worse. So I think so I think I might be able to say something like no, 2014 or something like that. Um, on a more general level of what I would consider important material standard of living, I do I'm sympathetic to the sort of Sean Gab position uh, of the 1970s. Not necessarily being a huge 1970s fan, uh, but that that seems to be a relatively decent time period for how much of the average wages could earn and housing and sort of important sort of material things which are important for, for family formation and things. Um, 
So I have m- multiple different sorts of narratives um, in which there has been uh, decline. Uh, some sort of are more strict than others. So, I mean, definitely from 20, 2019 onwards, yeah, yeah definitely decline. Uh, I, I suppose you could highlight a few things that are better or some new artworks have been produced or whatever. But I mean, in comparison to everything else, it, it's clearly not. Um, as just from a theological perspective, the easy thing to say is it's been downhill since the fall. Uh, that's the easy argument. Uh, but go on. Well, for my own my own country, I, if I'd asked that question myself, is the United States in decline? I think the first question is compared to what and compared to other countries. Is it because I think it's a sort of relative thing in a sense. So like, you know, has Britain been doing worse than France or Italy or about the same? Or has the United States been doing worse than, you know, say, similar Japan? And then on um, those questions, these are apparently relative decline. I would say that in that respect, in some ways, you might argue you're doing quite well. Um, you know, this is sort of the cleanest, dirtiest shirt narrative here, um, which sort of relates to the fall with respect to, in a sense, because you could if you sort of assume that everyone's in a sense guilty of something or or uh, or every civilization is guilty, then the question is, which is the least guiltiest in a way? Um, so, you know, which is which one is the least, which is the, which is the, uh, you know, Michael Munger has example of the pig, the, 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 you know, you bring out the first, you know, like they'll sort of judge pigs based on, um, um, and it's not beauty, but they'll, they'll judge them on something. And like by most people's eyes, they all of them look the same or they all look ugly or something like that. But to, to the pig buyers, you know, they'll look for certain things. So, 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 I mean, one of my sort of simple objections to decline is, is you could sort, you could say that all civilizations, all at times, seem like they're in decline, or seem like they want many. There can find many people saying they're decline. Um, they had a debate on. Jonathan had a debate on Twitter. Is Twitter ruining the lives of young girls? And um, he brings up a quote from. He reads a quote from like the 1870s or the 1910s, and they'll talk about I think either radio or light bulbs. I forget which one. And you know, he, if you just replace the word Twitter with light bulb, it basically makes the same sense. Um, so, so to me, is the United States decline? Well, uh, in terms of industrial production, it's clearly in decline compared to like the 1940s, and especially relative industrial production, it's absolutely in decline. But is that a bug? Well, I mean, in a sense, I'm glad that. You know, other countries are making steel and other products and things like that. Although America makes still makes plenty of things. So, so is it in decline? Uh, oh, uh, just to say, I, just to say, the American industrial production is the highest it's ever been. It, it's just that it's become the productivity increases have been high, and so it doesn't employ as many people. Correct. And I think in relative terms, it's less though. It, oh yeah, yeah, as a proportion of GDP, it's a lot lower, and as a share of the world, sort of. Yeah, the, the share of the world, it's clearly. I mean, Britain has the same problem. I would argue where, where, you know, British local manufacturing is probably strong enough that, but it's just like it's you're not like you at one point I think the second or the first biggest, I think one of the five three biggest economies in the world, which you're like still I think sixth or fifth, but, but again GDP has issues anyway. I don't really get out of GDP worshiper, but yeah, the, the decline narrative I think needs to be discussed. And because on balance, when people say is things declining, I'm I'm hesitant to say it. I I will say that I do think I do think that the family structure has declined. If there's one thing I might agree on is that, um, um, and I think that is a that that's the thing I agree with the paleos on um, that there's just sort of less stable formed 
uh, family units here. Um, although the upper middle class, for all that they're all lifestyle liberalism, they themselves tend to have some of the stronger formations and family formation, which is which is uh, an interesting point. So, so as far as decline, that's and on economics, I think it's it's really tricky here because because like one of the problems of Austrians is is like the 1930s were not the friendliest time for economic producers in the United States. So with that respect, it's 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 very difficult to say the 19 you know because it's very it's very difficult. So so that, that that's my final comment. If you want to add anything on, that'd be great. I mean, thanks for doing this conversation. I I declined when when people say things are declining. I always think of when did it start? Um, when was the be better age? And you know, is it going to get worse tomorrow? That'd be my sort of quick methodology. Swithin, any final comments? I think the main thing is uh, that decline does exist, and um, things do decline, but things do improve. And the problem is they take place at the same time. Uh, so to sort of uniformly say it was in decline or to uniformly say it's uh, in, a, in an ascendance uh, is very difficult to say. And you really need to have a, a good idea of what the most important things are to be able to sift out the the areas of declining and say, well, yeah, they are declining, but also what? So I think that's really what's uh, at stake, uh, what really needs to be done here. I just now I thank everyone for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and family and subscribe to us on Podbean on YouTube. Uh, the more subscribers we get, the higher we get in the search rankings and the more people can access this material. And finally, if you'd like to contact the show for any reason at all, please contact us at mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com. That's mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com.